You're listening to Toy Drive Live as we broadcast for 24 straight hours and make one final push for the 14th annual Fan Toy Drive for Children's Wisconsin, presented by Annex Wealth Management. Go to 1250amthefan.com now and click on the Toy Drive link to donate money or toys from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Back to your hosts of this hour, Evan Heffelfinger, Dan Plucker, and Sam Schmitz on The Fan. Yes, it is. As you just heard there, the producers are taking over right now. We have live programming on The Fan, believe it or not, for a great cause. It is the last day for the Fan's 14th Annual Toy Drive, benefiting Children's of Wisconsin, presented by Wealth Management, Annex Wealth Management. It's this. It's virtual this year for Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Simply go to 1250amthefan.com and click on the Toy Drive link. Let's help the kids out this holiday season. They need it more than ever. So... Dan, as we were just talking about the NFC, and once again, my name is Sam Schmitz. You can find me on Twitter at Sam double underscore Schmitz. That is Dan Plucker, executive producer of the Wendy's Big Show. You can find him at Dan Plucker, and you can join us on the phone lines as well. You can find us on Twitter at 1250AMTheFan if you want to join the conversation or call in at 414-799-1250. Once again, 414-799-1250 is the phone lines. So we were talking about who scares us in the NFC as a whole when we talk about playoffs, and it's kind of weird because at this point in the season, we're going into week 13 now. There's still a couple of games left, and divisions have not been, you know, figured out or determined yet at this point in the season for other divisions in the league when it comes to the NFC West and the AFC East and stuff like that. But the NFC North, um, it's the Packers and pretty much nobody else. And partly is because the Minnesota Vikings, they got out to a rough start and they're fighting their way back. They got a just barely squeaked pie. The Carolina Panthers last week with a Joey Sly missing a potential game-winning field goal and all that. The Chicago Bears, we know what happened. It was the Sunday night slaughter, basically. Bears basically had no chance once they announced Mitch Trubisky starting at quarterback. And then the Detroit Lions, Dan, you being the Detroit Lions fan here at the station, you know everything that is going on with them. Granted, I think right now you're happy with the firing of Matt Patricia and when yeah to a degree um when Matt Patricia came in I was somewhat of a fan of the hire because I was excited that a Patriots man was taking over as the head coach and and I know we've seen this history of poor coaching coming from head coaches that were assistants under Bill Belichick I mean it's really not been successful we've we saw Bill O'Brien get fired this year so many other coaches hired and then fired out of Bill Belichick's system and his coaching tree and it's just sad for me because yes I'm happy it's conflicting yes I'm happy that the Lions have decided to move on from something that clearly wasn't working. Bob Quinn was not bringing in the correct talent. Matt Patricia was not the coach for this football team. He he tried to implement the New England Patriots way in Detroit where they weren't winning. Like, like it makes sense to have the Patriots way if you win football games. Right. To be so regimented and to be so strict with your players and to be brutally honest with them like Bill Belichick is constantly. When you win football games and when you win Super Bowls, that's okay. When you go 9-29 and 29 as a head coach like Matt Patricia did, <laughs> that's a different story. And he, you just win them in the most... The, I mean, the games be- you win are the are in the ugliest fashion. Exactly. Yeah. So so yes, I'm I'm pumped that they let them go, but I'm I'm devastated as a fan that once again I see my team go through another regime 
without success. And so right now, because I, I just talked about it a little bit ago, we've kind of focused on the NFC as a whole for this playoffs. But now, right now, we're just kind of focusing on the NFC North and division going forward in the next, I don't know, three, five years. And just kind of talking about, hey, who do you think in this division, A, could be a potential threat in the next coming years, maybe next year when things get back to normal and all that, or maybe even five, Hopefully, seven, yeah. <laughs> eight years down the road when, who knows, Aaron Rodgers still may be playing quarterback. Maybe it's Jordan Love. We don't know. But 414-799-1250 is the phone number if you guys want to give your thoughts on who you think is the potential threat to the Packers in the future in the NFC North because it, you know, it's definitely not this year. We're not going to be talking about any other yeah. NFC North teams for the rest of the year probably unless, yeah, unless Mitch the- Trubisky <laughs> somehow saves the Chicago Bears or Nick Foles pulls out his Super Bowl MVP magic and just somehow is able to save the Chicago Bears. So. Right, that or the Vikings go on some sort of ungodly run in the last five games here, and the yeah. Packers somehow find a way to lose against the Eagles, Lions, Panthers, <laughs> Bears again. Like it's not going to happen. The the Packers are winning this division, uh, but nonetheless, if you think about it, the Lions are clearly trending towards a complete rebuild. I think Please within rebuild. the next year, we're going to see Matthew Stafford traded. Obviously, they're going to have a new head coach coming in. Uh, Kenny Galladay's contract is up after next year, I believe. He could be gone as well. I thought it was up after this year. It is after this year. You're yeah. right. It's after this year. Kenny Galladay could be a free agent. And and a lot of their weapons overall could be free agents. I mean, he's looking for like $19 million, so I don't think that's something that the Packers can necessarily afford. No, but uh, by any team. Like Kenny, Kenny Galladay G. is a great... When he's healthy... He is a premier wide receiver in this league. We call him Kenny G, my my friends and I, because his routes are just so smooth. They are smooth. He's he's a great he's a great football player. And the Lions have annexed any sort of good football players from their roster over the last couple of seasons in return, adding, I believe it is up to now twelve New England Patriots to the roster within the Matt Patricia tenure, which is just absolutely wild. Um, and they actually have more former Patriots on the roster now than when Bob Quinn, uh, than Lions that were on the roster when Bob Quinn took over. They have Man. one remaining Lion on the team than when they had five years ago when Bob Quinn took over, and that one Lion is Matthew Stafford. There's something to be said about organizations giving all their trust into the people that they bring in, but then there's another thing when you give them the keys to the Cadillac and let them drive however many miles they want, and then they bring the Cadillac home, and it's just completely ruined. Trashed, yeah. So, and that's pretty much what uh, the Lions front office has done over the last couple of seasons. But if we go into the Bears, uh, they're also trending towards a rebuild, and they don't have assets. No, like, and another wide receiver in the NFC North, just as good as Kenny Galladay, if not a little bit better, Allen Robinson is yeah. going to be a free agent after He's, this year. <laughs> And and sure, Darnell Mooney has looked really good. They, they that draft pick and uh, yeah. Anthony Miller as well. They've hit on those draft picks. Those two guys do have the potential to be pretty solid wide receivers going forward. It's just they need a quarterback who can throw them the football. Like yeah. it, think about it. They've they do we, what was it five five picks for Mitch Trubisky to trade up? I was just gonna say, do we bring up the Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes joke? Because <laughs> exactly. at this point, I'm almost like I've, it's Chicago Bears, so I shouldn't feel bad for you know any Bears fans not being a Packers fan, but like. At the same time, like I almost don't. <laughs> like, like it's if you're a Bears fan, has there ever been 
a, a worse well, time than right now. Because think about it. The Packers are surging. They picked their quarterback of the future in the first round of this year's draft. And who knows how good Jordan Love is actually going to be. But they're thinking forward while still having a roster now that can, can contend for a Super Bowl. Well, On top of that, let me finish, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's all good. Uh, they, they also had uh, their 100th win against the Bears on Sunday. They're 100th in the history of the football team and now the Bears they they're sitting at 500 after almost being undefeated to start up the off the year through 6 weeks beating teams like the Buccaneers who slaughtered the Packers like we talked about. And now you're sitting here and you're just like, "Well, what do we do from here?" Yeah. We don't think- have any picks, we don't have a quarterback. Our defense is good, but it's not good enough to carry us to a Super Bowl. Where do we go from here? They're in a much worse spot than the Detroit Lions, I think, because I think it's almost worse to not know if you need to completely blow it up or if you need to just maybe move a couple pieces and still try to contend. Because when you when you trade for Khalil Mack and then you give him that contract and then you give up those draft picks, granted, I wanted the Packers to do the same thing, and I still think they should have, but now he's on the Bears. You really put yourself in a tricky situation because now you look at the L.A. Rams – and granted, Jalen Ramsey's been paying off for them, but they could use those draft picks when you let go of Todd Gurley and guys like that. So I agree with you. I don't know what the Bears are going to do. they got to bring in somebody else. I think they jumped the gun. I think as bad as Cam Newton's been this year, I think they should have waited to see what happened with Newton and then bring him in. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. It was a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles. That's another draft pick that they're yeah. now missing. And then they have to take on salary, too. It's like, why would you ever take on his salary yeah. on what Jacksonville gave him? So yeah, I agree. I think the I think when it comes to the Lions and the Bears, I don't think you got to worry about those teams really for the next couple of years. Yeah, Khalil Mack's going to still be on the Bears, and they still have Eddie Jackson. That defense is awesome, but if you lose Allen Robinson and you're stuck with Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller, and uh, David Montgomery as your you know core pieces for the offense, how can you tell you know Packers fans that they should be afraid of that? Yeah, 414-799-1250. Join us. It's Sam and Dan here on The Fan. The producer's taking over. Uh, Here's something that frustrates me, Sam, and I'm going to go off. I'm going to get on my soapbox for a minute here. Please do. So the Packers are 8-3. and You know, last week or two weeks ago now at this point, they lost to the Colts, and we had all the people calling in, freaking out like, oh, this team, you know, it's terrible, all this stuff. And I know that's not the entire fan base. That's just the loudest, smallest portion of the fan base. But Oh, I know where you're going with this. (laughs) I know exactly where you're going with this. Here's the thing. I I, want to take you into the life of a Detroit Lions fan for a moment here. I mean, we Uh, talked about a little bit of the dismay of Patricia and Bob Quinn. Guys, I'm 23 years old. I have never seen the Lions win a playoff game that I can remember. Their last playoff win, I believe, if I remember correctly, was in 1997. That was the year I was born. And that was actually prior to uh, when I was born because it was maybe maybe it was when I was born. But but still, it's been a long, a long time coming for the Lions. They have under Matthew Stafford, who who some people consider to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. And like the arguments out, it's, it's going to be from the moment that he retires to the moment that he gets in or doesn't. Because the fact of the matter is they have four winning seasons in 
and Matthew Stafford's career. Thank you for that music in the background. That really helps me on my soapbox here, Sam. They, they have they have four winning seasons with Matthew Stafford at the helm, and two of those years were nine and seven years. And uh, with the no. Hall of Fame quarterback, a hey. Hall of Fame wide receiver caliber player in Calvin Johnson, they, they've never won a playoff game in my lifetime. And, and I sit here as a Lions fan, working at 12.50 a.m. the fan, and listening to Packers fans complaining about, well, we just made the playoffs this year. We didn't go on a Super Bowl run. It's Super Bowl or bust every year, which deservedly it should be when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Yeah. But I'm just saying, appreciate what you have. Like, like I'm, I'm taking this moment yeah. where I'm usually behind the glass listening to uh, our hosts and our callers talk about the Packers. And, like, please live in the moment. Like, live in the moment and realize just how good of a franchise and an organization the Green Bay Packers have been for the last 30 years with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks at the helm, even if there are only two Super Bowl wins, which there should be more. Don't don't get me wrong. And and they should they should have made the Super Bowl more. They should have won the Super Bowl more with these quarterbacks. But but let's just realize for a moment how successful this organization has been throughout at least our lifetime, Sam. And we're going to we're going to expand upon that when we come back from break because I think you know, I've been telling you I feel a certain type of way about that same sentiment, and I think they, I'm willing to go a certain way. I don't know if other Packers fans are going, you know, would maybe take my side on this, but I'm kind of curious to hear what you would say from a, you know, out of state team perspective and all that. So we'll talk about that. We'll also get into the Minnesota Vikings coming up next because we haven't really touched upon them. Really dangerous team when you think about their future. So we'll expand upon that once again. The producers are taking over right now here on 12:50 and the fan for Toy Drive Live as we try to help Children's Wisconsin and all that with the 14th annual Toy Drive on the Fan. Please donate. Go to our website, 1250andthefan.com, and click on the Toy Drive link. It's right there. You can also visit our Twitter page, at 1250andthefan. We'll be right back. Once again, Sam Schmitz, Dan Plucker on the Fan. Welcome back. Good morning, everybody. As you just heard, the producers are taking over as of now. We have live programming for 24 hours as we continue our Toy Drive Live and continue a great cause. Once again, if you have not, please help us in trying to help out Children's Bene- Children's of Wisconsin by going to 1250amthefan.com, clicking on the Toy Drive link, and helping out the kids. Look, $5 goes a long way when you're buying you know, toys and gifts for these kids and all that. So I think you guys would be surprised with the small donation how much you guys could give to all these people in need. Once again, my name is Sam Schmitz. You can find me on Twitter at Sam double underscore Schmitz. You can find Dan Plucker, the executive producer of the Wendy's Big Show, also joining me at Dan Plucker on Twitter. And our question right now, 414-799-1250, if you do want to join in. Once again, 414-799-1250 is in the next three to five years, which NFC North team should we be keeping an eye on as legit threats to the Packers? And also, if you want to chime in too, where do you see the Packers in three to five years from now? Do you still see them as the top of the NFC North and all that? So, Dan, when we... Last left off before we went to break here, you kind of gave your thoughts from a Detroit Lions fan perspective on kind of like, you know, I'm not I'm not saying this as like a, a harsh way of putting it because it's it's a it's cor- a fact it's, it's okay it's a fact and it's the total correct way to say it. Uh, we as uh, I shouldn't say we that's a really amateur thing to do, but <laughs> Packers fans are spoiled when it comes to success in Wisconsin because I'm only 24 and since my lifetime all I've known is. 
Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and watching other teams and listening to what you've had to deal with Matthew Stafford and the never-ending carousel of quarterbacks before that with like John Kitna and those guys. Yeah. Look, we take this for granted. We're, you know, top of the NFC North almost every year and it's it's kind of scary to think about what's going to happen if if and when Aaron Rodgers does hang it up and I hope uh he like he like we've said four more years is certainly possible. I hope it ends up being that, but I've said it a couple times in this on the station actually uh surrounding the Packers is I'm willing to go all in for another Super Bowl because when I look back at the the tenor of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre with Green Bay Packers, and I look at what the, I guess, uh, message for the front office as their legacy would continue through time is what do you want to be known as the front office in Green Bay, whether it be with Ted Thompson and Brian Gutekinds and everybody else that's had a hand? Do you want to be known as the franchise who only got one Super Bowl with both of those quarterbacks? Or do you want to get as many as possible and maybe try to get two, maybe three? I mean, who knows maybe how many more we could squeeze out of Aaron Rodgers. Because I think it's kind of, at the end of the day, I think one Super Bowl with each of those quarterbacks with how talented they've been throughout their whole entire careers, it's it's kind of disappointing. And being the little brother of the NFL with the Green Bay Packers, because that's how you know all the other teams look at the Green Bay Packers as a little brother, I'm willing to... And I know I'm saying this now that we have our quarter, alleged quarterback of the future in Jordan Love. Um, the Packers, I'm, I think I'd be willing to tank the future to make sure that we get that one or two more Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers. I'm willing to be in the, in the bottom of the division with the Lions and the Bears in the next couple of years just to make sure I get, or that you know, all Packers fans get that one or two more Super Bowls. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of curious to see maybe other Packers fans feel the same type of way. If you guys want, you can chime in 414 799 or tweet us at 1250 and the fan. But yeah, I mean, the, it's, it's kind of tricky to determine with the future of the Packers compared to these other teams because on one hand, you're in such a good position, but on the other hand, you already, as weird as this draft has been, now you supposedly have your pieces for the future. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty wild to think about because you're right. In the heat of these Super Bowl runs that they're going to have the next year or two or beyond with Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback, they have that guy sitting right behind him. And when they give him the keys to the kingdom, we'll see. But you have your quarterback, you have your running back, and A.J. Dillon as well. You have your coach of the future. Yeah. I mean, Lafleur's here to stay, let's be honest. Unless unless he gets some ungodly <laughs> unless- contract offer to go work for the Chiefs after Andy Reid right. retires or something wild like that. Um, the Rams maybe even if something would happen with Sean McVay, which won't happen either because he's a young coach. There's no way Matt LaFleur is leaving this football team. And he and uh, Gutekunst are probably tied at the hip at this point. Uh, after that selection of Jordan Love and just how drastic of a move that was. And they say the best time to pick a quarterback is when you don't need one. Well, the Packers had a lot of other needs this year in the draft, and they still decided to go quarterback stunningly. And I don't think any of us were necessarily anticipating that. Even Leroy Butler on the big show, the day of the draft, we asked, um, who do you not want to see his name call. And he said, Jordan love like straight up. Honestly, I don't want to see Jordan love's name be called. And sure enough, later on that night, the Packers picked Jordan love. Um, with that being said, I, I think that the Packers probably have the best future in the next three to five years, even with a potential of Jordan love being a quarterback 
uh, and being a bad quarterback. Right. Uh, Jordan Love can be a bad quarterback, and this Packers team will still be okay, and here's why. The Packers clearly have who they have right now. I mean, Bakhtiari's deal is the next three years. Aaron Rodgers' contract, he's he's good to go for the next two years as well after this one, correct? It's two years after this one. I have to look it up. But we also got Kenny Clark back, too. Yeah, and Kenny Clark, but that's a young piece as well. He's only 28, I believe, so he's still going to be on the back end of his prime in that last year. He has one other year after that beyond what Bakhtiari and Rodgers are guaranteed. So those are your three biggest contracts hypothetically, that could be completely off of the books in that year. And the Packers are wisely timing up all of these deals where that, if Jordan Love is not the guy, and they and after three years of him sitting on the bench behind Aaron Rodgers, we're going to know whether or not he's going to, at least an inkling of right. if he's going to be the guy, if he's going to be the next person to take over a la Aaron Rodgers to Brett Favre. If not... The Packers have him for one more guaranteed year. Yep, you're right in the fourth... contract details. Okay. Yeah, and they'll they'll have him for one more guaranteed year in that fourth season. You don't have to guarantee the fifth season. That's an option, mutual or a team option for that fifth year. So if Jordan loves not the guy, you have him one year at quarterback, and then you have an ungodly amount of cap space. Yeah, but here's the weird thing with I mean I think they did this on purpose, knowing the rookie deal Jordan Love, because by the time if you do play out this contract with Aaron Rodgers, by the time if you did let him go in 2024, Jordan Love's rookie contract is up. So now you got to figure out. Well, then again, it's it's you weird. pick up his fifth option and he gives he gets one year to to so decide smart. whether or not he's the guy. Because you look at these past Super Bowl winners. I mean, even teams that didn't win it that got to the Super Bowl. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Jared Goff, all these teams with young quarterbacks. Even like uh, when the Philadelphia Eagles made it to that year without Carson Wentz. What do they all have in common? Even Russell Wilson, when uh, they were getting to the Super Bowls against the Denver Broncos and stuff like that, what do they all have in common? Quarterbacks on their rookie deals, still. Yeah, and, and it's a huge advantage for teams. Here's the crazy thing, too. Let's say let's say that the Packers are uber successful when Jordan Love takes over. They make the playoffs. I think that itself in itself, if in Jordan Love's first year as the quarterback in Green Bay, if they make the playoffs, it's a, success, a successful season. Right. I don't. I don't care what anybody says. Like you might have your Super Bowl aspirations for this team, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But if you make the playoffs in the first year with Jordan Love, it's a it's a great season for you. And it might he may just be the the plug and play guy into the system. He. I mean, the odds that he's as good of a quarterback as Aaron Rodgers are slim. Oh, yeah. slim to none. the The odds of him being a great quarterback in this league are slim to none. But the fact of the matter is he's your quarterback going forward. He he and system quarterbacks have proved in the last couple of years that they can make deep playoff runs and even Super Bowl runs. We've seen it with the 49ers, obviously the Rams with Jared Goff, Nick Foles for God's sakes won a Super Bowl. <laughs> uh like the list goes on and on. If if you have a good system, you can win Super Bowls yeah. even with bad to mediocre quarterbacks. And that's what the Packers could have in Jordan Love and if he's that after one year and they still make the playoffs, his contracts conversation start and you go, dude, you've played one year. Mm-hmm. Like, like we're going to give you contra- a contract that's team friendly, not player friendly, because you've been starting for one season. Like, we're not going to mortgage our entire future unless you have a Patrick Mahomes MVP type year, yeah. which <laughs> the odds of that happening are slim, like I said. But the they're they're in really really good shape going yeah. forward because if they are forced to start a rebuild 
It's going to be seamless. They have so much money that they can spend on young assets. They'll have a decent amount of picks, more than likely. And because if if Rodgers leaves in free agency and he doesn't get traded, and even if he does get traded, you get money, but you're going to get a pretty solid compensatory pick for Aaron Rodgers if he leaves in free agency. So now it leaves us in the final team left in the NFC North that we haven't touched upon. And I think it's the biggest question mark about their future because I, I, I thought about it this afternoon and I kept on thinking about it before we went on the air. It's like, what does the future hold for the Minnesota Vikings? Because it can either be really good or I think really mediocre. Or, I don't know. Because when you when you have a guy like Justin Jefferson, who is just the definition of pro-ready coming out of the draft and just the born a natural wide receiver, you have that in the future. You just locked up Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins is locked up as well. Yeah, that one, that's the biggest, That's see, that's where I'm so confused about the Minnesota Vikings is because the first couple games of the season, I was like, oh, they're going to try to find a way to get out of that Kirk Cousins contract, and they're going to just try to... extend it out of nowhere. Right, and I was like, oh, they're going to find a way to try to get out of that contract and look for their quarterback in the future because you've still got a feeling, you know, Cook and Jefferson is like, that's good pieces, but now all of a sudden, granted, they didn't play the best game this past week, but... They could make a playoff push and all of a sudden get in the playoffs and sneak in as those like final two seeds of the, the NFC. Well, and like uh, people forget that Minnesota has had a decent amount of injuries on their defense as well. They've hardly had healthy cornerbacks all season. Anthony Barr is out for the year as well. Their top linebacker. I mean, this team. If there's one threat to the Packers going forward, it's the Minnesota Vikings because yeah, I agree with with the assets that they have and what they could have going forward. That team is the only one I think that could compete with the Packers even beyond the Aaron Rodgers era for the NFC North. At least I, as a Lions fan, I hope that's a different story. I hope that they get their quarterback of the future this year in the draft and then they proceed on to being great in the next three to five years. But let's be honest, they've never done that in their entire franchise history. So the yeah. odds of that happening are not good. And like even on defense, like I don't know, is Mike Zimmer the the coach of the next couple of years too, like for the Vikings, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's I, so many question marks they, on that team. They just extended him this past off season too, didn't they? I, I'm yeah, fairly they did, certain actually. they did. Yeah, so they did. it it they they are hell bent on the guys that they have now. They are, yeah. and and they made the NFC Championship game a couple of years ago, and they 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 certainly had the potential to get back there again. They 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 have an improved roster, I think, at least offensively since then. Not necessarily defensively, but we get to this draft this year. They pick a couple of guys to help out in the defense, especially in the cornerback room. Maybe a few offensive linemen, which has been their issue all along. Give Kirk Cousins a, a good offensive line. I think he's a much better quarterback, and he's never really had a good offensive line in his career because you go back to when he was playing with the Washington football team, they could hardly keep him upright, and now he's with the Vikings, and they've done nothing to help him either. But Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in the NFL, if not the best. Yeah. Uh, he's in contention with Derrick Henry, and he's not going away I think he's anytime easily, soon. When, when he's healthy, easily top three, top four, best running back in the NFL. Probably. And so, I mean, it, it reigns true. If you can run the football, you're going to win football games, and they're going to be able to do that with Dalvin Cook going forward after that extension. So that's going to about wrap it up for our football talk in the NFC North and all that. Coming up next, before we talk to our – Favorite Australian Bucks reporter in about 15 minutes. Kane Pittman will be joining us at 345. But coming up next, we're going to be kind of switching topics. We're going to be talking a little bit of baseball because I didn't know this was going to be happening uh, as we were leaving the studio today. But the Brewers made a bunch of roster moves, decisions on who they tendered, who they didn't tender. 
So we'll dive into that, who they let go and who they didn't as far as what the future holds for them in this upcoming season. Once again, it is the producers taking over on the Toy Drive Live 24-hour coverage. My name is Sam Schmitz. That is Dan Plucker. We'll be back right here on The Fan. You're listening to Toy Drive Live as we broadcast for 24 straight hours and make one final push for the 14th annual Fan Toy Drive for Children's Wisconsin, presented by Annex Wealth Management. Go to 1250amthefan.com now and click on the Toy Drive link to donate money or toys from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Back to your hosts of this hour, Evan Heffelfinger, Dan Plucker, and Sam Schmitz on The Fan. Welcome back to Toy Drive Live. It's the producers taking over. I'm Dan Plucker alongside Sam Schmitz. Now joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is the one and only Australian reporter in Milwaukee for the Milwaukee Bucks. It's Kane Pittman uh, from Locked On Bucks, ESPN Australia on the Bucks beat. You can follow him on Twitter at Kane Pittman. Kane, welcome to the show. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing great, Kane. How about yourself? Uh, I'm very well. It's, uh, you're, you guys are up very early. It's uh, 8, 8.30, 9 p.m. over here, so we're in different uh, different times of the day, but it's all good. All right, Kane, let's get into it here. Let's talk a little bit about the Bucks. Kane, how would you grade uh, the Bucks offseason so far with the additions of Drew Holiday, kind of missing out there on Bogdan Bogdanovich and all of the other free agency acquisitions that they've made? Well, I think it's actually really weirdly become a little bit underrated. And I say that because the addition of Drew Holiday for mine is still one of the best additions any team has had around the NBA. But everyone seems to be overlooking that because of the mess that happened with Bogdan Bogdanovich. So I still think the Bucks had a, a, a pretty good offseason. And if you uh, simply put the addition of Drew Holiday and the fact that they've replaced Eric Bledsoe with a player, the, the quality of Holiday, I think it was a su- successful offseason. You just wish some of the messiness <laughs> didn't occur on the side because I think that's overshadowed some of the moves they have made. No, absolutely. It's almost, it, yeah, I agree. It's like what could have happened with Bucks fans' perspective if the Bogdanovich fallout didn't happen? It's just a big question mark. But when it comes to the other signings that they made this offseason, Kane, I really like the DJ Augustine pickup and Forbes and Torrey Craig and all that from the Denver Nuggets. But it's got me thinking, you know, with how efficient the bench was for the Bucks last season before, you know, they kind of lost a step in the bubble and all that. Really, the second unit was almost arguably the best in the league and all that with their how efficient they were. And I'm just kind of curious, with all these new guys that they're bringing in, I mean, where do you see the second unit among other teams in the Eastern Conference and all that? And do you really think that, like, DJ Augustine and all them could pick up right where they left off with George Hill and all them from last season? I think it's going to be really interesting. This is one of the, the biggest changes the Bucks have made, as you pointed to. When you take away guys like George Hill and Robin Lopez, and I, I know Wesley Matthews was a starter, but a significant depth piece in Wesley Matthews, the first thing you think about with those guys is defense. And when you talk about Augustine and uh, Bryn Forbes and, and Bobby Portis, a couple of the guys they've added, they're offensive players and their defense isn't exactly what they're known for. So I think this is going to be the biggest challenge for the Bucks. We've known in the past that Mike Budenholzer has been able to do almost five-man substitutions, bring the whole bench mob in, and you know that the defense is going to keep its head above water. I don't think you're going to be able to get away with that this year. But I'm kind of excited about that because we've spoke about the Bucks for the last two years and we wish that Bud would tighten up the rotations. We wished he would actually play less or fewer of those old bench lineups. So for me, I'm excited to see how Budenholzer adjusts to a team that has, I think, a little bit more offensive firepower, but perhaps not 
the individual talent on the other end of the floor. Talking with Kane Pittman from Locked On Bucks, Bucks reporter. You can follow him on Twitter at Kane Pittman. Kane, was this extensive roster flip warranted? Do you think this was necessary? Did they really have to move on from Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, all of the other key factors that they had last season to acquire the now, like you just detailed, uh, new bench and Drew Holiday? Well, I think you had to move on from Eric Bledsoe. And I, I would almost consider myself an Eric Bledsoe apologist in, in the way that I thought what he brought to this team, I always called him the barometer. I thought offensively, the way he got the transition game going, when he was aggressive on offense, I thought the team went to another level. But unfortunately for him, it's three straight years in the postseason. He uh, not just uh, underdelivered a little bit. I mean, he was almost unplayable three years in a row. You had to move on from him. You wouldn't have been able to come into this regular season with Eric Bledsoe as your starting point guard and feel confident that this team was going to do anything more than they have in the last two years. So I think that whatever you had to do to get an upgrade at the point guard position, you had to do it. And I know they gave up a lot of picks, and I know George Hill is a guy they would have liked to keep around, but I'm fine with throwing him in in with the deal as long as you can get that more reliable, more consistent veteran at the point guard spot in Drew Holiday. And they did that. So, look, would they have liked to have kept some of those depth pieces around, absolutely, they would have. But you, you just had to do what, whatever it took to get a guy like Drew Holiday. Yeah, and with the Bucks continuing to uh, keep Pat Connaughton on their roster, do you think that that contract is worth it? Do you think that they maybe overpaid a little bit too much with him? Obviously, they kind of fumbled that all around with choosing which exception they were going to use on him. Obviously, it, it speaks to how much Giannis thinks of him because I don't think he would be here if Giannis was not so key on him. Did, did they overpay for Connaughton to stay here in Milwaukee going forward? <laughs> I mean, probably, probably. Because if you look at even the last two seasons, Pat Connaughton again in the postseason has been a guy that – He's it's become the the later it's gotten to playoffs, it's been more difficult to play him because his shooting is suspect. He's a little bit erratic defensively. So uh, I think that you would have been fine if he was the guy that moved on. You probably wouldn't have liked to overpay to the extent that they did $5 million per season. But uh, I think uh, ultimately Pat Conant in the last two years has been a guy that's been underpaid. He's been averaging $1.6 million per season. So look, he's a fine player. He'll be playable during the regular season. I just think the question marks are still there in the postseason, whether he's going to be a guy you can put out on the floor. It's certainly an overpay, but Pat Connaughton is a great locker room guy. Everyone loves him in that locker room. And as you sort of pointed to, uh, Giannis is very close with him. Giannis likes guys that work hard, and Connaughton certainly does that. Um, so now that we kind of talked about the Bucks roster and who they brought back and who they, you know, who they had to let go and all that and who had to move on, now I kind of like want to look about the the rest of the Eastern Conference and not ask you like you know where where do the Bucks lie and uh, where do you see the Bucks finish in the Eastern Conference? But I don't really know like who the other really contenders are that I should be keeping an eye out because on one hand we have to keep an eye out now for the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, and who knows how that's going to play out with Steve Nash as the head coach. And we just uh, figured out a lot of people before they went to bed over here that now we have to deal with Russell Westbrook in the Eastern Conference, going to the Wizards and all that for John Wall, which is still crazy to think about that trade. But who are the other teams in the Eastern Conference that you kind of have an eye on going into the season? Yeah, you mentioned Brooklyn. And I think Brooklyn's really fascinating now, particularly with the trade and John Wall going to Houston because uh, I think James Harden's still a player to watch. And I think if you're a Milwaukee fan, you're hoping – that James Harden doesn't find his way to the Eastern Conference this season. 
Uh, another team I thought had a great offseason, Philadelphia. Uh, they added Seth Curry in a trade with Dallas. Uh, he was one of the best catch and shoot at three point. Uh, marksman in the league last year, 48% on catch and shoot, 45% from three overall. So I think Philadelphia, one of the things we've always said is hopefully they don't figure out their front office. Hopefully they don't get some stability <laughs> with the coaching uh, coaching staff and in the front office. They did that with Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey. So now Philadelphia is a team to watch because it does feel like they've been the sleeping giant in the conference for a long time. So Philadelphia, I thought they had a strong offseason. I've certainly got my eye on those guys. Yeah, and, and let's get into it, Kane. I mean, honestly, we're sitting here and we're a couple weeks in. Giannis still hasn't signed his Supermax. Uh, we got to ask the question, Kane. <laughs> when when do you think, if at all, Giannis gets this done? And would you be disappointed if it wasn't necessarily the four or five years max that he could sign? Yeah, this is an interesting question. I, I get asked whether I would be disappointed if he signed a, a two plus one or even uh, you know, a one plus one. And I don't think I'd be disappointed because I think if you're a Bucks fan, you just want him around for as long as possible and you figure it out. I think I think he's going to sign the Supermax. I do think he's going to sign a five-year extension. I thought that the whole time. I'm not at all surprised that we haven't heard anything yet because he, he has been overseas, as we know. He would want to come back and meet with ownership yet, who I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think that they're back in Milwaukee yet as well. Uh, West Edens, that is. Um, so I, I think or Mark Lasry, both of those guys. So, so we'll see after they meet up. He's got until the 21st. I still think he's staying. I haven't uh, seen anything that would lead me to believe otherwise. So I, I understand the anxiety on why Bucks fans are certainly a little bit stressed out at the moment, but I, I still, I'm still feeling pretty confident. Talking with Kane Pittman from Lockdown Bucks, ESPN Australia. He's on the Milwaukee Bucks beat. Kane, the Lakers are one of those teams that have kind of been keeping their eye out for Giannis. Anthony Davis hasn't uh, yet re-signed his extension there, but LeBron has. Do you think that that kind of puts away any doubt that the Bucks fans should have about LeBron or about Giannis potentially going to LA? Well, I think they could probably still find a way if they wanted to somehow they could they could figure something out. We know Davis hasn't signed his extension yet, so they could probably work something out to get those three in. But out of the teams, I would be concerned about uh, the Lakers aren't high on the list for mine. I don't. I just. I just can't picture Giannis living in LA. Like I, I just cannot see that. That is just not the type of city I think that he would want to go to. Uh, even though his brother obviously won a championship there this year, I, I still think if he's going to go anywhere, Toronto for mine is still is still the biggest thing you have to worry about. It's another um, not an LA. It's not a Miami. He's obviously got the ra- uh, relationship with Masai uh, Ujiri there in Toronto. So I. Look, if I had to pick a team, if it wasn't going to be Milwaukee, I still think it's the Raptors. I'm not all that concerned about the Lakers. Oh, okay. So kind of moving on from uh, this season and all that, we just had uh, one of the longtime fan favorite Bucks retire that you are obviously familiar with, Andrew Bogut, uh, previously just retired a couple days ago. I know you had like a really cool one-on-one interview with him, and I thought it would just be really cool to kind of get your thoughts on, you know, you know what you thought of Andrew Bogut and what you any fun memories you have of him and all that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, the, the word that comes to mind when I think about Andrew Bogut, I, I think he's underrated. I think his career has been underrated because uh, he's always been an unselfish player that's willing to play whatever role it is for the team. I, I think in Milwaukee, we've really seen him uh, come into his own around that 2008, 2009, 2010 season where he actually was playing as a focal point. Now, this is the only time we saw him do that in his career. And unfortunately, we know when he was really becoming a 20 uh, 20.10 rebound a night guy. He had that terrific arm injury. And from that point on, uh, he was never quite the same. 
uh, but became, again, a key factor on that Golden State Warriors team defensively. So underrated, I think. Um, everyone that's had the chance to speak to him, certainly from a media point of view, loves him because he, he tells you exactly what he thinks. He doesn't hold anything back. Um, so, I look, again, I, I know as far as number one picks go and traditional stats, there will be some people that will say that he was a disappointment or he didn't live up to the expectations you would have wanted from a guy like that. And remember, he went in the draft a couple of spots ahead of Chris Paul. But for mine, underrated career. Uh, and, yeah, really, always going to be a what if. The question's always going to be what if. What would have happened with that team if he didn't go down with that arm injury? Because they were on a, on a real run back in the 2010 season. Without a doubt, Kane, we're just three weeks away now from the NBA season starting up again, which is wild because I feel like it just ended. But we have at least the beginning of the schedule with the opening game against the Celtics in the Christmas Day game. What 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 exactly can you do? Because are you are you coming back to the states? How is how is COVID <laughs> impacting you and your return here to Milwaukee? Hopefully, and covering the NBA once you get here. Yeah, I'm hoping to get back. I, I, the season's about to start, so I'm starting to get itchy feet about that. I, I love being over there. Um, obviously, during the season, um, I, I could probably do with taking a bit more warm weather in here in Australia before I return for winter in Milwaukee. But I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting to see. Hopefully, things over there um, calm down a little bit with the with the virus, and hopefully, things get under control so I can get back. But I'm not sure if I could even get a flight right now to get back over there. But I'm hanging out. I'm ready to come back wherever. And for now, I'm probably fortunate that they're doing everything via Zoom, which is which is helping me out on the work front. We're certainly looking forward to your coverage. But uh, before we let you go, we just kind of want to touch upon this because, uh, as you know, Matt Velazquez, unfortunately, uh, just had his final article with the Journal Sentinel a couple of days ago. I'll be moving on and all that. But I do want to talk about it because I think it was cool, you know, getting to cover Bucks games this past season and all that, watching – you know, you, Matt, Eric, Nave, and all them cover the Bucks. I think you guys really established like a cool bond, uh, whether it be like reporting and all. You guys always had like the top questions and stuff like that for them, and it was just kind of cool to watch you guys go at your work because you know I think it created a good culture and all that. So I just kind of want to get your thoughts on, you know, Matt's coverage and all that, and what you know he kind of meant to you and Eric and all that. Yeah, I love Matt. He's become a really close friend of mine, and I, I didn't think that that's typically. What happens, certainly from what I've seen from traveling around and seeing other teams, I, I, I don't think that the writers are as close as certainly us three were. And, and really the whole Milwaukee media is, is really friendly and they've, they've welcomed me in, so I can't speak enough about it. But Matt's a great friend. Uh, I, the first game I ever covered was on a – it was in t- the 2017 season. It was on a West Coast trip and Matt was traveling out there by himself for the Journal Sentinel. I, I met him at the at, uh, at a shoot-around it was out in – uh, Beverly Hills, and then we went to cover a Lakers, a, a Clippers and Bucks game at Staples Center. I had no idea what the hell was going on. I didn't know where I was supposed to be. I didn't know what the situation was, when the players or coaches would speak, and Matt was, went completely out of his way to show me around, tell me where I needed to be, everything I needed to do. And and to me, uh, that's that's just the type of guy he is. He, he's like that with everyone. He's a pro. Uh, he, he never got overwhelmed by workload or anything like that in and yeah, he's, he's just a great friend of mine now. So I, I said this to him, but it, it'll be sad like when I come back and he's not there at every game. But I'm a little bit nervous next time I cover a Bucks Pacers game in Indianapolis because I might be 
I don't know. I'm scared what's going to happen the night before the game when we get to catch up again. It might be uh, it might be a big night. Yeah, we've certainly loved having him here on the fan too. But Kane, that that does mean there's an open slot here during our uh, <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks uh, post game show with our post game show basketball post game show there. So maybe you'll fill it in. Thanks for joining us today, Kane. He's from Locked On Bucks, ESPN Australia. Follow him on Twitter at Kane Pittman. Thanks for joining us from all the way from Aussie today, Kane. No, anytime, and shout out to you guys for being awake at this time. Uh, much respect for that. Well, thank you, Kane. All right, thanks for the time today. Kane Pittman on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. If applying for a home renovation loan has you feeling anxious, breathe and let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of bankquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Brewers' offseason moves and a couple that they made today coming up next here on 1250 AM The Fan. You're listening to Toy Drive Live as we broadcast for 24 straight hours and make one final push for the 14th annual Fan Toy Drive for Children's Wisconsin, presented by NX Wealth Management. Go to 1250amthefan.com now and click on the Toy Drive link to donate money or toys from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Back to your hosts of this hour, Evan Heffelfinger, Dan Plucker, and Sam Schmitz on The Fan. Yeah, as Big Voice Guy just told you, I'm Dan Plucker alongside Sam Schmitz here as the producers take over here on The Fan. Guys, it's the 14th annual Toy Drive Benefiting Children's Wisconsin, presented by Annex Wealth Management and Blaine's Farm and Fleet. It's virtual this year and today. This is it. You, you've got only a couple hours remaining. So if you're thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to donate at some point, but uh, I don't know if I have the time to right now or I'm trying to get home, get to sleep after my third shift. No, like like we need you to do it now. And, and the children of Wisconsin who are in need in the hospitals this holiday season need you now as well. Go to 1250amthefan.com. Hit the toy drive link, which is the first article you'll see on the website. Scroll down to donate here and give whatever you can. There are presents there. There's cash donations that you can give. Do whatever you can, please, to put a smile on a child's face here in this tough time while they're facing tough times this holiday season and beyond. And a team that's not really facing tough times right now is the Milwaukee Brewers, as they've made a couple of roster decisions today starting off with tendering contracts stunningly. I, I'm sure this is going to st- uh, sh- just completely shock you, Sam. Uh, <laughs> they tendered contracts to uh, their all-stars from last year, Josh Hader and Brandon Woodruff. I don't think that should really no. surprise anybody there. Uh, but where the surprises do come in is they have let Ben Gamble, Alex Claudio, and Jace Peterson walk, mm-hmm. which I think Gamble and Claudio, I, I, I can expect it for Jace Peterson, who saw a couple of innings last year. But for the most part, Claudio has been their middle inning right. eater, and Ben Gamble has been a solid option in that outfield. Claudio is a little surprising to me just on how frequent Council would go to him. And I mean, honestly, with uh, you can say what you want about Alex Claudio, but for the last couple of years in Milwaukee, when he was asked to you know, come in the game, he did his job. Uh, ben Gamble was a little surprising, but I can, I can get it. I think if you can replace that player with somebody who can contribute more day-to-day and can play more positions. I think that makes sense because now you got Lorenzo Kane coming back, so you got that outfield's pretty set with Yelich, uh, Kane, and Garcia. But um, did we get to the tendered contracts? Yeah, let's talk about that now. Uh, they tendered contracts to Orlando Arcia, Omar Narvaez, Manny Pena, and Dan Vogelbach. All of them will be returning on one-year deals, avoiding arbitration. Any surprises there for you, Sam? The Omar Narvaez one was a little surprising because I thought 
uh, Jacob Nottingham was brought into this organization to pretty much be one of the catchers of the future, um, or at least to contribute day to day. And I thought he really did show glimpses that he could be that guy uh, for the majority of the season. So I thought you could have rolled with Manny Pena and Jacob Nottingham as your two catchers for the entire season. So seeing them bring back Omar Narvaez, I'm not mad about it because I think uh, Omar did not reach his potential with the offensive production, but that one kind of surprised me a little I bit. I think it surprised me a little bit too, but for only two and a half million, I'm not yeah, too worried not about it. I think it's like 2.65 to right. be exact. I'm not too stressed out about it. Or Arcia's deal though, for as well as he played last year, it's non-guaranteed, which is a bit of a surprise to me. They could just say CEO Orlando and he's gone. Yeah. Um, I think it's more likely that they look for a trade. Uh, but honestly, I would love Arcia to stay here and in this lineup oh, going too. forward. And stunningly, they now have six catchers on their 40-man roster, which is a little ridiculous. And the <laughs> last piece of stunning news coming out of the Milwaukee Brewers organization today was that they have traded uh, not non-tendered, which was originally reported. Corey Knable is headed to the Dodgers in exchange for a player to be named later or cash. Did they give up on him in too early, Sam? See, I heard Tim Allen talk about Corey Knable a little bit. He, think it was, he thought it was a mistake not to tender him. I like Corey Knable, but the whole thing with Corey is that he only has two pitches. And when you're recovering from Tommy John, you lose, A, you lose the velocity on the fastball, and all of a sudden now you become that much more predictable because all you have is the curveball and the fastball. So I think it's a little different when you have a guy who only throws two pitches like that. So I'm not mad. And as uh, as Sparky and Tim were saying, a player to be named could turn out to be great. Michael Brantley was a player to be named in that CC Sabathia trade and so we'll see what happens there. No doubt. Still a lot of moves yet to be made, I'm sure, this offseason. We'll talk with David Stearns tomorrow on the Wendy's Big Show at 5 p.m. The Brewers president of baseball operations. Our Toy Drive Live continues next with our final hour on the program, but definitely not the fi- final hour of this 24-hour broadcast coming up next.